0: Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today we are talking about Queen and Slim from director Milena Matsukis, starring Daniel Kilua and Jodie Turner-Smith as a couple that goes on the run after killing a police officer in self-defense. It is a heavy movie, but... It's also uh, got a lot of comedy to it. It's beautiful. It's, uh, depending on who you ask, really well done. But um, I asked new co-host of the show, Colby Mack, and I was really glad to have Colby on this one. We had a great time talking about this movie, talking about the influences, and talking about how successful this movie is with the themes that it is trying to explore it's a heavy movie, there's a lot to talk about, so uh, we had a long conversation, but I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. So before we do get into that conversation, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and now on Podchaser, and you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod, and I also... Think you should join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all these movies and lots, lots more. So, join that group. We want to have lots of people in there. We have some great conversations in there. A couple of weirdos, but you know, what, what Facebook movie group isn't filled with a couple of weirdos? Uh, so with that said, let's jump into the conversation about Queen and Slim. <music> Today's episode is sponsored by the Golden Tiki, recently named one of the top tiki bars in the United States by the Food Network, and also one of the top 10 best nightlife destinations in Las Vegas by USA Today. They've got great rum, mixed drinks, and of course the Dole Whip. They've got theme nights, DJs, all kinds of fun stuff, including Alan Budd's Oasis, who are two robotic parrots that put on a great show every hour on the hour. So next time you're in Las Vegas, make sure to check out the Golden Tiki on Spring Mountain. All right. So today on the show, we're talking about Queen and Slim. And we've got with us a new guest co-host. we got Colby Mack. How's it going, Colby?
1: Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I am on the Piecing It Together podcast.
0: i've been looking forward to hearing that that's uh that's awesome (laughs) uh hey man i'm really happy to have you here i i I love what you do and um you know as we always do on this show you know when it's someone's first time on the show i always love for them to introduce themselves to my listeners so why don't you tell people about what you do
1: yeah yeah well it's your boy the movie mac himself um Man, uh, yeah, Kobe Mac. Of course, you can find me on all the socials at Kobe Tomy on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're still into Facebook, you can find me at Kobe Mac there. Uh, all of my written movie content at KobeTomey.com. Pretty much, I lead a solo podcast. to try to do it in 30 minutes or less. You know, movie news, reviews, that's about it. It's a pretty much whenever I want to deep down to further my conversation and amplify my movie reviews, and then I co host the Minority Support Film Podcast.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of uh, personality to do a solo movie review podcast. Because, you know, yeah, you don't want to just be like sitting there, like, oh, and I really like the cinematography. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you you're, you're really got to have something to say,
1: you know? You know what? I think I grew up loving to talk to myself. So it yeah. works out. You know, uh, sometimes <laughs> I'll talk back, but I, I, that's why I try to keep it to like 30 minutes or less. Because some mm-hmm. folks be like, ah, oh, this is going on too long. but. You know, I try, to, I try to do it. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thespian, so um, I was really mm-hmm. keen to doing one-person one shows in high school and college. So it's been working out. Sure. It's a good translation so far. Awesome. Well, we're going to be talking
0: about Queen and Slim today, and I know you've been making the rounds. You've been talking about this movie a lot out there. Uh, was this one that was big on your radar before it came out?
1: It really was. Um, there was three films in particular that were like my most anticipated of the year. And then, kind of at the midpoint of the year, when I was looking at the rest of 2019, Queen and Sim was high up there. Um, Mm. I love the trailer. Like, I think the trailer was a killer trailer. Magnificently. Um, I love when music can really amplify the trailer. And I'm one of the big proponents on having a trailer set my expectations, and that will color the way that I interpret the film, what the Mm. film is trying to tell me to expect. And unfortunately, a trailer can affect it. Some people, you know, kind of like don't. Don't say, oh, you should never consider the trailer. No, the trailer is a part of the overall film experience for me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I mean, it, it, you know, really a lot of things can affect how you end up, you know, eventually enjoying the film when it finally gets into your brain and everything. And it's like, if you go into it with like, eh, this movie just looks like crap, or if you go into it with like, mm-hmm. this, I'm, I'm hyped for this movie. I cannot wait to see this thing. It really does make a difference. It's all about
1: the bar that you create. Um, some folks that I know, um, I know my boy Kevin Brackett, you know, um, on film Twitter, he doesn't mm-hmm. watch trailers at all. So the bar is set lower. And I think a film doesn't have to work as hard to try to, you know, to win you over. Depending upon sure. like, you know, what your entry point is. But we all have different frames of references and i've seen some films where i've been unimpressed by a trailer and then mm-hmm. the bar is set lower to where it can do something that surprises me and then now it's earned my investment sure. to the film a lot so it's unique how it's 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 not for every film or for every genre, right. but it, it is unique what this one in particular did and i was very excited to see it
0: absolutely me too uh well so this is a interesting movie uh, for us to cover on this particular show. I mean, I know I've got some puzzle pieces that I'm looking forward to talking about. I'm sure you've got some great ones. But the weird thing about this one is it's such a heavily political movie. And, uh, you know, it's almost kind of weird to talk about it in terms of, you know, inspiration operations or you know things that it reminded me of when i mean there's a very real issue in america that this movie is dealing with and you know whether or not this movie you know deals with those issues responsibly whether it has the right things to say about it if there is a right thing to say about it um you know that's really the real issue around this movie and it's it's gonna be uh I don't know. It's going to be interesting talking about it, especially, you know, me as a white dude, like whether or not I even have the authority to talk about whether the movie handles it properly, you know, is, I think, an interesting point.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And it's it's tough. um, You know, as a critic, you like me, I really do try to be mindful of a lot of different things. Um, No, I, I call myself the most subjectively objective movie critic because there's (laughs) <laughs> really not a way for me to try to separate the two. No film is objectively great or bad, no sure. but it's easy for a film to be subjectively great or bad because it makes it personal to you. Um, mm. And so I think that's interesting when I interpret this film and this film markets itself and packages itself differently than other films. Um, I was talking right. to someone earlier today and it's like, you know, obviously we know that this is a black film championed by... Black filmmakers, first-time feature filmmakers, a first-time feature director, first-time feature writer, with very strong viewpoints, and they have a following. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's an unfair expectation that a lot of these, some people call them woke films, like they have to say something. Like, why can't we have Mm. a black film that just lets it be a black film. And sure. it's tough, but it's also unfair. And unfortunately, we live in a world that is unfair. And I think that there's themes that are tackled in this film. Some good, some or many not so good. But we'll kind of get into those. Sure. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start getting into some puzzle pieces? What do you got for your first one? I think the biggest thing, and someone asked me like what I was expecting when I, wa- when I watched this film, said about two things. Uh, First puzzle piece is that I wanted Queen and Slim to deliver the beauty and grace of Barry Jenkins' If Beale Street Can Talk Mm. with the poignance and relevance of the uh, Netflix series from Avery DuVernay, When They See Us. So my first puzzle piece is If Beale Street Can Talk, um, Mm -hmm. my number one film of 2018. Um, (laughs) It's... I don't it's hard to sometimes describe like what that film was but it's like it really is like a painting on the screen and honestly like that is the truest film that I've like I've kind of close to call a masterpiece and it's I still feel it even after so sure. long that I watched from it and it's exceptionally powerful it's very moving it's like this ode to black love and hearing interviews that Lena Waithe talked about she was very intentional with Queen and Slim on delivering a black love story minus a white lens and hmm. to be honest with you the black love story in this film if that was her initial goal this film succeeds at it in the sure. same way that the love story that we got in beale street could talk in the face of i mean you know being back in the 60s and in, in a part of new york that was just staunch with you know um you know f- with racism and 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 a lot of just strifes that people had to deal with but like the character of Stephen James and Kiki Lane in that film, you know, it was so strong and so believable and so authentic and so unique. I mean, the visuals and the cinematography was so great to really show the best parts of what black beauty looks like on screen. And I think that really was like Melina Masukis, the director of this film, she's got a very strong background and she's primarily known for being like a really amazing music video director right um, so right. she's got a very staunch and keen eye in capturing the beauty of black skin on screen and the camera work is very stylized like I love the framing of the shots of like this urban aesthetic that she's really really good at setting the mood with the visuals and with the music and creating that love story and I think that that parallel to Beale streakka talk is the strongest connection for me.
0: Right on. Yeah, I like it. I like it as a puzzle piece, and I mean, it, it is such a beautiful film. If Bill Street could talk, and the the way that like every scene is just like kind of bursting with light, mm. he, you know, even though it, you know what's happening, there's there's so much sadness to it, you know, and so much you know heartbreak. Uh, it, it's really it really does come from a similar place, I think, where there's so much beauty in in that that just you know just heartbreak really yeah absolutely yeah well uh i'm gonna go for my first puzzle piece uh i'm gonna take something actually you were just saying there uh well uh, about if bill street could talk i think i'm gonna use that as kind of a transition uh Mm -hmm. because that is actually one of my favorite uh scores of the year oh my god Um, of last year i mean yeah so so good So incredible. So I'm going to talk a little about the music uh, because... I think that a movie that I want to use as a puzzle piece is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which, of course, is a very different kind of a music score. Uh Um, However, we are going on this journey through the South where we're coming across all these different, like, colorful characters that, you know, they're all so memorable in their own different ways, and along the way, everything is marked by music. There is so much music in the movie, and Queen and Slim, every scene... uh, kicks off with music starting and then boom we're into a new location or into meeting new people and mm-hmm. the music just would work as its own you know soundtrack you know and in totally beautiful totally uh just just a killer soundtrack really and and so i think oh brother where thou kind of has a similar you know south journey and
1: that soundtrack aspect yeah Oh my god. I just I want I, I really want to burst in the song as <laughs> George. <laughs> <"Ahh!"> <laughs> what what year was that? My good, That was like that that song was everywhere. I want to say
0: 99, oh. I think. Man. I think it was 99. But uh but yeah, it's just so good. Maybe 2001. It was somewhere right in there, yeah, 99 it was,
1: 2001. It most certainly was, man. That's that's really really Yeah, I think the music of this film um, like I said, it's really really strong, and obviously with you know with Melina Masukas's, um music video background, totally. it was crafty the way that they blended in the. Sc- there was nothing as pronounced of the score like what Nicholas Bertel did sure. in The, yeah, the yeah. Talk, but I think you know this being a urban film, a contemporary urban film, having that blend of the score with the soundtrack and describing like the different shades of what the black experience is musically. That mm-hmm. like you said, you know, with Oh Brother Where Art Thou, it's this Mark Twain buddy journey as they're going across the states and we're spending time with Queen and Slim traversing from Ohio down to Florida and we shift from rap to soul to jazz to all these different blends of what kind Absolutely. of describes the black sound, which I think was really creative and it was done well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and it, it 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 like it encompasses like a lot of the different genres that could be described as you know mm-hmm. black music. So yeah. I
1: think that's great. Uh, what do you got for your next piece? Yes, my next piece is going to be Ava DuVernay's Netflix series When They See Us. Um, mm. Obviously, there's a focus on opportunity, and Ava DuVernay carved out an opportunity to talk about a story that was kind of forgotten uh, with the central park five rape case back in New York in the eighties. And, um, the fact that these men were wrongfully accused Mm of a, of a crime they didn't commit and it tackled and battled against this, you know, the, the New York powers that be, um, that were set on policing badly just to find a sense of justice. And, Mm -hmm. When I reviewed When They See Us earlier this year, this came out this past spring, I gave it a perfect score. It was truly a 10 out of 10 because it did all of the objective elements that make a story work was great. As a puzzle piece, I'm not saying that Queen and Slim works, but I do see the potential that it had to try to be something like that. Mm. The, The love story in this film is the strongest thing. And when I spoke to you earlier about the the way that the film was packaged, the way it was filmed and packaged to me is that this story wanted to do multiple things. It wanted to champion a love story, but also talk about a social and political commentary about our times. Mm. It attempts to do that, but it never carries it fully in the way in which When They See Us did. Um, When They See Us provided a big, nuanced conversation and several points throughout this film, there's an attempt to have a conversation. And when it does attempt to do it, it just leaves it and it hangs there. Um, and then when it doesn't at all, it's kind of frustrating. Um, it was frustrating to watch When They See Us because it's heartbreaking of these events that happened within my lifetime. I mean, I grew up in New York, uh, you know, around the early 90s. So I was very much aware of these stories. And um, I was really hoping that it can live up to that. And unfortunately, it didn't. So the the mm. social and political commentary that worked in When They See Us, uh, fell very flat in Queen and Slim. Gotcha, gotcha. Well,
0: I mean that it makes absolute sense what you're saying, and I do agree that um, the 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 love story is really where it's at for this movie. I mean it's it's a great love story. It's it's a uh, it's moving. It it's funny. It's you know it, it's it's just a really really great story when it comes to that. And then whether or not it's successful in the rest of what it's trying to pull off, that's where you know the question definitely. Uh, comes up. I I think that's a great uh you know kind of setup for another puzzle piece I was going to talk about which was of course Fruitvale Station mm. um which I mean this movie you know of course is uh you know fiction uh but is of course inspired by so much of the you know true life you know violence happening you know and with you know police uh brutality and all that across the country and uh you know again whether or not it is uh you know, whether it's commenting on it in the right way and especially the way that the movie ends, uh, you know, I don't really know, but I do know, <laughs> you know that it's definitely inspired by what's happening, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so, uh, what do you got next? Because that's that's my next pieces for yeah. the
1: these two I'm going to kind of lump together and maybe it's a little bit of recency bias. Um, 21 Bridges and Black and Blue, um. Okay two films that have just released you know a few weeks apart from one another that were also packaged in a similar way to one be a crime drama the other to be a crime actioner um -hmm. well i guess they almost were (laughs) very very similar to kind of of provide a little bit of action but they both also attempted to kind of have a conversation on policing um Mm -hmm. now the film never attempted to you know, purport itself to be that if it was just saying, We're this is just going to be a crime drama or a crime action film and not try to have a conversation, it'd be different. But when I look up a film synopsis prior to a film comes out and that's a part of it, then that's why, like, it's kind of stuck and that's what informs, you know, my expectation on it, right? Um, sure. so at that, at those puzzle pieces, when I'm looking at it compared to the lens of Queen and Slim. They both attempted to do it, but for different reasons, failed in the same way that Queen and Slim did. Um, Mm, Yeah. The one thing that I commend Queen and Slim, that they did better than those other two films, is that the the traffic stop that happens inside of Queen and Slim, I actually think is one of the best crafted traffic stops in light of kind of these themes that Mm -hmm. I've seen on screen probably ever. Um, A lot of folks never get the opportunity to see a traffic stop go wrong because mm-hmm. unfortunately what ends up happening is that there's lives lost when when, they, when it does go wrong, except this is the flip, the life that lost is the one of a cop. Um, right, and we're right. able to kind of see, you know um, slim and I think it's really it's, it actually is pretty beautiful that we don't have the protagonist names throughout the entire film until the very end of the film. That's interesting, yeah. You know, um, so we know that, you know, um, Daniel Kaluuya's character's name is Ernest, and then uh, Jody Turner-Smith's character's name is Angela. Um, these two have a date that doesn't turn out too great because, you know, um, <laughs> Ernest makes a swerve and a cop pulls him over. And, I, I, you know, for whatever reason, the cop pulls him over is that reason. But we're able to see the events. As a black man, I have no idea what is expected of me at a traffic stop. Or, what I'm supposed to accept of a police officer at a tra- traffic stop. Um, but the one thing that I do know is that I'm in a position of being vulnerable and essentially subservient to whatever this police officer is telling me to do. And I just have to hope that they're doing the right thing. In 21 Bridges and in Black and Blue, the conversation that they wanted to have about social justice and police, and police brutality gets undercut because it's portraying cops as dirty cops. There's mm-hmm. a very big difference between a dirty cop. And a cop that's, be, you know, that's doing bad policing. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Right. Absolutely. Like overextending their authority it, versus exactly. straight up like running drugs or some it, shit.
1: It, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and and in Twenty One Bridges, we quickly see like we it, we can very much see that oh these cops are up to no good. So it's not <laughs> that they're bad cops doing their jobs badly. They're just dirty cops. So yeah. when anything happens to those characters, I have no sympathy or empathy towards that because. There's like, there's no nuance. You've told me that those, they're on the same footy as the bad guys. So the bad guys are the bad guys too. You know, the good guys are also the bad guys. As we're in Queen and Slim, even though we can see that this cop is doing some unethical things. Yeah. It's not overtly, you know, it's it's not dirty. Like he's not, like there was no reach. I'm like, okay, I was wondering if Lena Waithe is going to like, you know, have this cop plant drugs or something like that. I think that he was just very bullish on finding something. And then when cops sometimes can take it personal in, you know, these type of interactions when they feel like that their authority is being checked. So they puff up their chest and, you know, maybe over, you know, overstep those boundaries. But within reason, you know, they really kind of they, they straddle that line instead of fully crossing it. Um, yeah, and yeah. Even even unholstering his weapon. In my opinion, that's crossing the line, but it's, you know, I I don't think that he went in there with the full intent, like, I'm going to kill. I don't, I really don't think that. And mind, this is a black man saying that. (laughs) I don't think that that was his intent, but things escalated and then he got a little bit, you know, more of that back and forth. So that's the one thing that Queen and Slim actually did bring to the traffic stop that did well in portraying this as a cop that was doing bad police work and not a dirty cop.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I think it has a lot to say first of all with Melina Masuka's direction. I mean, it, you know, you know what's going to happen in that. It's in every trailer oh, yeah. and yet it was still so tense every yes. second of that traffic stop. It was and the fact that crazy. It
1: was all the prologue to the film. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, you knew every every beat that was about to happen, but it's just yeah. Yeah, and and then I think also uh, some credit where credits due to Sturgill Simpson playing the cop. He's uh, a non actor, really, but a great singer, and he did a great job doing that role. I mean, oh, so he,
1: he's not an actor. I haven't looked into him. So he's not an
2: actor.
0: Yeah, no, he's a country singer, and he's actually really good. And wow. uh, he's one of the one of the few country singers I actually listen to. Um, okay. <laughs> and hey. Yeah, and he's been been in two movies this year. He's in uh, the Dead Don't Die also. What?
1: Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, no, I was shocked. He had. He had. A, he had a, I actually. I. I didn't mind. You know. Like. I. I feel like that he was physically imposing. I was supposed to be. There was things that he was doing with his eyes. it was kind of shifty and you know, I, 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 yeah. Wow. Shout out to him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I'm going to go with another piece here. And, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, Melina Masoukas, uh, I am going to talk about another, uh, music video director who made the jump to film for a little while anyway. And that is Hype Williams with Belly. Oh, um, you
1: know, deep uh, cut. Okay, yeah,
0: right, right. Well, I, I mean, come on, another director who really knows how to make a stylish-looking piece of cinema. You know, something that mm. I mean, just I mean, everything just kind of glows and is just so damn beautiful the way that uh, the way that Hype William used to make uh, things look back in the day. And I, I don't know what Hype's been up to lately, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the music, the music, the music
1: video era, kind of. For me, died out in like 2008. Oh yeah, um, for sure. You know where, and it's weird where we have access to music videos way more than we ever have before. But like I, like I remember when you participated in a music video's release, and it was on TRL and BET for mm. two and a half months, and that was a big thing to see. Like, what's the number one played video, you know, in, in the country? So yeah, it I think was the best. Just, it really, I miss those days. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely
0: absolutely but yeah no and i mean i don't know if he did much after belly i'm sure he did a couple things but and Mm -hmm. of course belly you know as a narrative i mean it's completely different movie but just the the bringing that that sense of style i think you know clearly probably inspired uh uh, melina in some ways you know
1: yeah absolutely no I, I, i definitely see that as well for sure uh what do you got for your next one yeah, so um, hmm, this one's gonna be a little bit out of the box, and it's only because of the you know the uh, the Mark Twain esque style of travel. Um, but I'm gonna go with the Peanut Butter Falcon. Nice. I was actually thinking about that <laughs> because it's very similar in the way that we have these two characters that shouldn't be linked to one another that are, and they only are because they're pitted in this journey that just happens to go kind of in the same direction um obviously in queen and slim it's for very different reasons they are on the run after you know killing a police officer in Mm self-defense um where in you know um uh, you have zach gostigan uh he is escaping a mental institution that is not properly taking care of him as um you know as a i want to find like the right uh word you know a um i really hate he he I mean he, he himself doesn't suffer mental illness but he sure. just needs to be cared for in a different way and he was misunderstood and was in a facility that was not going to do that and he he had a destination that he wanted to get to which I think also was in Florida uh, if i uh, yeah, somewhere I, I think that's true yeah <laughs> I think it was also <laughs> in Florida so I mean uniquely they kind of you know had these similar paths and were just there for the journey and along the journey there's a brotherhood Um, that begins to manifest between, you know, Zach Gossigan's character and Shia LaBeouf's character. And it's done in an incredibly tender and sweet way. Um, The one thing that I'll commend the Peanut Butter Falcon for doing better than Queen and Slim is that we had an opportunity to really dig a little bit deeper um, into the reasons for the decisions in which they're making um uh, mm-hmm. where i was very convinced of the authenticity of all their choices and it didn't feel contrived unfortunately in queen and slim a lot of the choices felt very illogical and overly emotional for what mm-hmm. was presented to us in the diner um and that's because there's a lot that lena waif as a storyteller is trying to tackle in the screenplay and it lacks the narrative focus um, as like what in the Peanut Butter Falcon, you know, really did well um, with that. Mm, interesting, yeah. No, that 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 makes a lot
0: of sense. The, the the difference there, uh, yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with another piece here. Uh, so you know, obviously, you know, spoilers abound on this show. Um, but <laughs> at the end, we get, uh, you know, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, with the slow motion police lights and we just know what that means. And there was another movie a couple of years ago where Daniel Kaluuya uh, gets uh, confronted by those police lights. Um, but we had a completely different, uh, situation there where we all got to breathe a sigh of relief and that was of course, get out um where yeah well i mean at least it (laughs) it, it wasn't it wasn't the police it wasn't the police and shit didn't go bad you know um and so this in this movie we are getting the 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 opposite of that we are getting where oh shit it is the police and oh this is about to go terrible (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. it's it's kind of flipping the script on that that moment
1: I found it weird how quick the police arrived. Like It was probably like 15 seconds after they arrived in the tarmac, and they see this mm-hmm. plane. Like They're seeing freedom in front of them. And yeah. the police are right there to cut them off. And I, I got to say this. Me personally, that last scene is emotionally manipulative. Um, mm-hmm. I was really checked out for a bulk of the second and third act. Um, mm-hmm. This scene on its face is really, really strong and powerful. It's also very traumatic. There's a lot of people that will decide not to watch this movie knowing mm-hmm. that this type of scene can possibly exist inside of it. Cause it's hard to see. Um, I, I'm a big proponent of justice. And the one thing that, you know, that plagues me um, as a black man is the idea that when all these things happen and think the things that ail us in this country, like the issues with social injustice and, police brutality and and just policing in general is the idea of like what is justice and i i'll ask anybody that scene you know that um that sees daniel Kaluuya and jody turner smith um you know faced with the decision can we really say that justice was served right (laughs) you know like I, i i can't imagine any just law enforcement saying like you know what i feel good i feel like i feel like i did what my job i i it doesn't and i feel like if you as as law enforcement you know can say that uh, you shouldn't be able to sleep at night with yourself um, but if you can't then I feel like we need to we need to combat that and I was really hoping that this film would just at least open up a conversation to combat it um, like you know have a media story to do that or, or other characters in the film have that conversation so um, it was it was a tough scene to watch to be honest yeah um, it really, I feel it, it's like different.
0: I feel like the choice was made like very deliberately to, you know, be provocative by ending oh, it that yeah. way, you know, and not, not to give us anything resembling, you know, uh, you know, a happy ending or anything for these mm-hmm. characters or feel like justice was served like to,
1: to, to make us mad, you know? Yeah. And it's weird because, uh, you know, I, I, I'll slide in another, another puzzle piece to kind of like sure. attach to that. If you think of Denzel Washington in Training Day, mm. it's a very similar ending. Right, and yet, right. I felt completely different about it. And I think it's because um, the way that that film was crafted, I had a lot more time to spend with Lonzo and mm. understanding what makes this man tick. And uh, the sc- it, that, thats just an homage to the screenplay, doing a better job at give me the full color to you know his journey that mm. I was that that was lacking for me. In queen and slim even though as effective as that scene was inside of queen and slim it definitely was a little bit emotion manipulative because i can't not feel for it i just mm. can't even though i feel like it didn't earn it right
0: right well yeah i mean that's that manipulation but i mean it's uh it's nice to look at along the way you know yeah
1: i mean <laughs> it, it, it most certainly most certainly is but uh it it, it it was it was it was tough to stomach with a lot of things i mean i this was the first film this year that I almost walked out of. Wow! Yeah, um, the the protest scene.
0: Hmm. Um, okay, I'm I'm interested. What 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 about it specifically? Uh, was, yeah, was I'll, I'll, that... I'll give
1: you the I'll give you the, the, the another puzzle piece. I, I came with a lot okay. of them. Um, uh, the Hate You Give uh, last mm-hmm. year with the Stenberg that had a very. Um, a huge protest scene um, that I was background on actually. Uh, the, oh. know, shout out! I was it was right here in my backyard here in Atlanta where it we was shot uh, right down nice. the street from where I live, and it was like being a part of it. It was really it was one. It was really really cool to get back to it. You know, it's uh, taking a little break from behind. You know, from in front of the camera. So it was nice to kind of stretch my legs a little bit and stuff. But mm. you know, I I, I love the way that that protest scene happened because one we had full. Focus on it. So a couple of different things about the protest scene in, in queen and slim. It was <laughs> for, for some really tasteless reason, intercut with a graphic sex scene. Sure. Um, which like I said, it's that, and, and I, I think what's happening is that Lena waif She's a first time feature writer. She's a little bit too attached to the story. And I, I'd, I'd be very interested to hear, you know, her commentary on it or like the decision to, spice it together maybe that was a molina you know decision or not but mm. to have this protest scene that on its own should have a lot of relevance in the film intercut with this very tender moment that blossoms into you know um i'll say this i don't want to say unusual unusual isn't the word unconventional love making we don't get a chance to see that in film one sure if it's a very long scene two we typically do see two Darker skin black leads in a love scene, you know, mm-hmm. traditionally Um, and that and that was the whole point with trying to have this love story minus the white lens. And typically you don't get multiple pumps in a movie. Like then you go to like the <laughs> NC17 rating, but there's multiple pumps and it is pretty graphic. Yeah. On its own, both of those scenes could have been powerful. Um, where the scene completely falls apart. And in my mini review, I called this movie socially irresponsible. Um, was there's a young boy in the film, kind of like Amanda Stenberg's character. And Amon Stenberg's younger brother in *The Hate You Give*, who angrily pulls out a gun, mm-hmm. and it was so undeserved. Like it, it was, it wasn't earned. Um, there was nothing that we learned from that character. when We were first introduced to the young boy inside of Queen and Slim. He, he has this, you know, kind of very narrow, you know, idealized version of who Queen and Slim are, and he said some very poetic things and. You could hear that coming. Like that's it's like as if Lena Waithe is speaking right through this young actor. He's a good young actor, too. And he sure. says, you know, I want to be immortal. Bro, you are 12. Go to school. Like don't worry yeah. about being immortal or, or nothing like that. Right. So I I could understand those words like that from like a 25 or 35-year-old man that's been dealing with so much life where it's pressing upon him It's like looking for something more. And this kid rushes into the protest and is angry. And I'm okay, okay, you're angry. But then we know as an audience, okay, if this kid doesn't calm down, I think that he's going to be a victim, right? Like we're all mm. thinking it. The the, the 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 protesters are hype. The cops are hype. And there's this black cop that comes up to us a yo, you don't want to be here, man. And I'm just really hoping, like I hope another cop doesn't see this, you know, this encounter and misconstrue it. And then it heightens everything. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, oh, my God, please don't beat this little kid up on screen. Oh, mm. uh, please. And then the kid pulls out a gun. Bro, I please, yo, in my mind, oh, a cop is going to see this kid pointing a gun at another cop and is gonna kill this kid. Mm-hmm. And then this kid kills this cop. The cop that's been very nice and pleasant to him, wasn't yelling, wasn't being like like combative, blows his brains out. Right before that, we see them climax together. It, it, it was just I, I, I didn't understand it. I almost walked out, and I, I there, like there was no, all the the age like every good intention that I was really trying to give this film, just went out the window.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wish I knew what the intention was. Like you know, I, it's possible to throw a couple of ideas out there, but I mean. Yeah, I just don't know. I think it's a little misguided to have combined those scenes that way. I think on their own they could have worked much better. Even still, even still the kid
1: like that was that just seemed so out of place. I don't know. Yeah. And and, and in this climate there's you got to understand that there's 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 arguments be made on both sides of the conversation. The conversation that I feel like this this film doesn't really have. But there's folks that really like. I had people talk to me on Twitter that said I have no interest in watching a film about two like about like you know a, a black couple that are going on a cop killing spree. Legitimately, mm-hmm. people think that this film is about a cop killing spree across the country. Mm-hmm. And it's a scene like that that would like let them believe that that was right. 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 Exactly. You know? And if there was, because, and even after that scene, there's no conversation. You know, when Queen and Slim are made aware that this kid, like they were asked by Flea and Chloe Savini's characters, hey, a kid died at a protest. Did you tell him to kill a cop? Mm -hmm. I'd be like, no. And that would have been the great opportunity to have this conversation. We got this black couple, we got this white couple. Let's talk, right? Mm -hmm. Find a way to artistically craft this scene together. So that way we can know, all right, what is your standpoint on this? Maybe let's hear, you know, multiple sides to it. Maybe that could have been an opportunity for this couple to say, you know what? I think a better way to defend yourselves is to turn yourself in. But mm. they never had that conversation. And like, it just completely gets left and, oh, it was so frustrating. Yeah, I, I can completely see where you're coming from there. That It definitely
0: is frustrating. Yeah. Um... Well, I, I'm going to go to another puzzle piece, and I, I think something you were just saying about you know people thinking it's like they're just going across countries killing cops or something like that. Uh, you know, obviously, even Bokeem Woodbine makes the joke, the Black Bonnie and Clyde. Um, I I'm going to use Bonnie and Clyde, but as kind of an anti-puzzle piece because that you know the joke is made, but that's not what this is, and I I I think they go, you know, they they made every effort of making sure. That this is not that story. This is not a Black Bonnie and Clyde story or anything like that, or or a twenty first century update to that or anything like that. This is something completely different. Even though on the service, we know people are going to think it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's tough, especially because that line was inside of the first trailer. Mm-hmm. So it's something that sticks with you because those are like. Those are characters that are like really, unfortunately, we never should have praised them, but they were kind of glorified. I mean, think we have, we have icons in the music industry, like Jay-Z and Beyonce. One mm-hmm. of their first collaborations was Bonnie and Clyde 04. Right, right. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, there's this romanticiz- romanticization of Bonnie and Clyde, but like they were doing bad things. And the it, so it was a little irresponsible to package a film that way. Um, and and maybe that's to kind of say, like, oh, the media twists things. You know, we say Bonnie and Clyde, but, like, this isn't it. Like, like yeah, but we got to, you know, there's a lot of people that are just going to latch onto that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the, absolutely. For the wrong reasons, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, before we move on to your next piece, also just, you know, shout out, Bokeem Woodbine's hilarious in this movie. Yo,
1: Uncle <laughs> Earl. Like, so good. <laughs> it's weird. I didn't think that the tone... I felt like this comedy didn't fit the tone of the film, but on its mm-hmm. own, this comedy was so funny. <laughs> so good. And, and I really didn't want to laugh because I was frustrated at the movie, but like he was kind of refreshing. He bought this levity that I had no idea we were going to get in this film. And just his line delivery, his affectations, like he has a scene where he's just sitting down at a coffee table, like looking at his rings and he's counting them <laughs> like, just, did you take my ring? bitch? <laughs> It, it's so it is so funny it is so just his encounter with the cop who i guess was like dating one of his girls it is uh-huh. so it, it is man wow it is funny but i did not want to laugh
0: i know <laughs> right <laughs>
1: oh, man. It, it could have um,
0: been such a different movie if uh if we had just stayed at uncle Earl's house the whole time best comedy really of the have, year
1: it, it it you know what I, I asked myself, as you know, writing both comedy and drama, I wonder if the entire tone, if we would have changed it to be a little bit more lighter, right? Like, sure. is there a way that this film could have played out as a comedy? I think comedies do a great job at being biting, but then also being a satire and a reflection to society. I mean, if you look at sure. JoJo Rabbit, it's it's a satire about the absurdity of hating something that you don't understand, told through the lens of a child. Mm. And that was incredibly strong. Like great I'll take all right perfect I'll grab that as another puzzle piece you know you know (laughs) using that um and 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 maybe a lot of my puzzle pieces can kind of feel like anti-puzzle pieces because I I did not like this film um but it also like I can see where it was going right Mm. I I, like I really really do and even when I came to like my final rating on this film I had to be respectful about like what 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 the intent was and also like I'm not too sure how your audience received it audience loved it
0: oh uh, uh queen and slim yeah oh yeah yeah it was a great audience experience yeah. uh, people yeah. were really into the movie
1: yeah and it's it was tough it was tough to kind of sit through um i, I i'm i personally didn't clap and cheer when the police officer got shot um, mm. I, I, find, I found that to be a little bit disheartening um yeah. and and just i feel like it could have been taken but i get i get it like i completely understood i understood the you know uh the the geographically where i was you know, mm. um, so. I I got that right, um, but yeah, it, it definitely. I, I I was wondering how it would play depending upon like different audiences, but um, um you know, I think I think I'm out of puzzle pieces. Um, okay. Well, yeah. you know what, in that case, I just got one
0: more. And, you know, before yeah. I do that, uh, I do think it's interesting. A lot of the pieces that you talked about were such recent movies. And I think that says something to uh, the moment that we're in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where we're going to be talking about a lot of these things mixed into uh, other kinds of stories, whether it be a love story, uh, on the road story, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, we're, we're mixing in a lot of these these uh, these themes into these movies.
1: Yeah, no, it's... And, and, and I think it's kind of, we're at a point where a lot of the content, because we digest so much content, I think there's an unspoken itch that we have to try. Like we need, we need something else too. Sure. You know, um, like this is not a popcorn movie, you know, right, like you just right. eat popcorn and just keep, like here, no, I, I I think there's these films that come along where it needs to speak a little bit. I think, and I think directors are a little bit more conscious of that sure. um, and some are more overt than others. And It's just a shift in our climate. Um, And that's because the climate that we're in, it seems that there's a lot of things that are at stake. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, uh, all right, I'm going to do one
0: last one and then we'll get to some uh, closing thoughts. But last one, and this might seem a little bit silly, but I'm just going as a genre- with superhero movies. And the reason why is because it seems like a running theme through a lot of superhero movies. Maybe this is more of a DC thing than a Marvel thing. Uh, But is the the hero... That uh, you know, is becoming more of an image, you know, despite a lot of public scrutiny and and you know they have to they have to hide from the public while they're finding their footing as a hero and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you know, Queen and Slim, they' be you know, this is basically like an origin story of this symbol of of uh, of fighting back.
2: Mm-hmm. and
0: And so I think it, in a lot of ways
1: it uses a little bit of that that kind of hero trajectory. Kind of like with Katniss Everdeen, like they unwillingly became a symbol. Sure, you know. Um, I mean, there's no Mockingjay in this film, but <laughs> unfortunately, like you know, they become immortalized, you know, on murals and T-shirts. And I, I, I really don't. I don't want to call them heroes because I think heroes ultimately do good. And um, even though that they did nothing bad, they did not mm-hmm. like they. They are not criminals in the sense that they went out to shoot and kill a cop. They killed this cop in self-defense sure. but everything that happens after that they don't actually make any good choices or do good things. They're literally just trying to escape um, right but you know they they become their story becomes bigger than themselves. their story Absolutely. transforms into a legacy and like a a rallying cry. You know mm-hmm. um, and it's unfair on them. they're just trying to survive, but yeah, they didn't um, ask for this they they, they most certainly did it, but they're also very much aware of it, like they become aware very early that they know that that you know the black community at the very least is in their corner mm-hmm. um when they're trying to get a cheeseburger, um, you know when they're yeah. trying to get their car fixed and stuff. They are aware, and it, it, it it's unique to see that um. And I think because we we do want we want something good as Black and Brown communities, and then of of, of, of honestly of, of non you know Black you know Black and Brown communities that are advocates to cheer for. Um, mm-hmm. We've spent a number of years hearing about you know the uh, you know Philando Castillos, about the Sandra Blands, and mm. you know, we're, we're tired of it. You know, and mm. this is something even though it's fiction, it's different. So mm. I can't knock folks for wanting to root uh, for this film. Um, sure. And it, it's tough to vocalize a lot of what I've been saying about it. And I've gotten a lot of backlash, to be honest. So <laughs> it's, uh, But it, it, I will say, even though I didn't fully enjoy this film, I think that the conversation that we're having outside of it sometimes has been really, really healthy.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really important. Um, well, w- Why don't I do the finish puzzle, and then we'll get to a couple more closing thoughts on the movie. Yeah. Uh, f- Finished puzzle for Queen and Slim included If Beale Street Could Talk, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, When They See Us, Fruitvale Station, 21 Bridges, Black and Blue, Belly, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Get Out, Training Day, The Hate You Give, Bonnie and Clyde, Jojo Rabbit, and Superhero Movies. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, wild, wild lists all over yeah. the place. But, uh, I mean, this movie is an interesting thing. Um, you know, I think my first closing thought would be, I'm really curious to see what Melina Matsukas does next. I, I'm curious to see if she is the, the director that does, uh, really beautiful, love stories you know or or things you know human stories things like that or the political filmmaker the 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 side of this that is pushing buttons and the side of this that is uh interested in in you know getting to big issues and things like that i i'm curious if if it's one or the other or or if it's going to be continuing to go down a path of uh combining things like that you know i think that's an interesting trajectory for a new fresh uh director
1: yeah. and and I think the momentum that both her and Lena Waith have, um irregardless of what a lot of different pundits, commentators, movie reviewers, and critics have of the film, um, that they are responsible with using that momentum to project their, thoughts and ideas and wishes forward um one i guess shout out to melina masukis um she won best breakthrough director at the nbr awards just the nice. other night the national board review um you know these pre-court pre- the precursor award season that we're in right now and you know i don't see this as an oscar worthy film but obviously there's a voting body that thought that her direction um as a breakthrough director um, was strong and I, that's the one thing that i absolutely will congratulate the woman doing and i think that she has the eye to do it it's the director's job to tell the story through images and that's exactly what she did it's the writer's job to sell us on the story um, mm. with its characters and the plot um lena waif in the short time that she's been in like the the public space she has carved out a name for herself she's doing the shy which is a showtime series and she's got a lot of content coming on on bet plus and you know she was in ready player one and she's doing 18 commercials and all this other stuff she ain't going nowhere and um i'll say this she is taking it like a champ with the detractors of this film mm-hmm. um i made my review very public she liked it and she thanked me <laughs> and we had like a little conversation back and forth so I was nice. good. And I, and, I, and I said, yo, I said, that is dope of you to really, one, there's a lot of folks who tell stories that like, like, like we just think that, like, oh, they don't hear anything. No, they do. And obviously she did and she sees it and she reacts and she just thanks people for being able to have, you know, the conversation for those that love it and for those that don't. Um, and I think that's a very graceful way to go about your business. So yeah, I really hope that both of them um, really continue to tell stories and learn from it, learn from the good, learn from the bad. Hell yeah!
0: Any uh, any other final thought on this one before we wrap it up?
1: Yeah, shut up! No, Daniel Kaluuya, the boy can do no wrong. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love it when you find an actor that I don't care what the movie is. All I know of that his name is attached to it, I will watch it. Anything with Daniel Kaluuya, I will watch. The boy can elevate any script I've seen. I wasn't in love with the script, and anything that had to do with him. He killed it. <laughs> you yeah, know, he, he sure uh, did. He, he was perfect in this. He Absolutely. really, really is. He's a very, very uh gifted performer. And even Jodie Turner Smith, green mm-hmm. in some areas where I think she didn't elevate the script, but you know, it's her first, you know, feature role. I, you know, I, I will say this, she's an effortless beauty. There's this very um kind of angelic um breathiness to Definitely. her vocal and that's just like wow she sounds like a dream girl and um, she definitely did look like it on screen so i really you know hope to see her do uh more work but um i'll, I'll say this uh you know uh, this last word um you know onto like kind of where i am you know objectively a lot of strong elements subjectively um because of the way the film was packaged it didn't meet my expectations but i'm glad that i approached things respectfully enough to understand that I just can't singularly allow my unmet expectations to color my entire criticism. Um, mm. So I'm glad to be able to have conversations like this that I think that this film, if it doesn't do well in the film, at least forces us to have a conversation outside of it um, to talk about it. Sure. That, that absolutely makes sense.
0: What's another movie that you watched recently that you
1: want to recommend to our listeners? Oh, man. Most recently? whoo! let's... Uh, <laughs> I'll do this. Uh, I just posted it this afternoon. Is Netflix's and Marty Scorsese's The Irishman? Oh boy! Wow. Um, oh boy, indeed. You talk know, about it, a movie you could talk about for a while. I mean, the, <laughs> the movie itself talks about itself for a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it, it it it's unique. Um, one, it was it was a chore to try to find time to watch the movie. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father, and Three and a half hours in home without any distraction is damn near impossible. That's why
0: I I love the theater so much. Oh, my
1: gosh. And I really did try. (laughs) But, you know, just with the nature of how the film was released, it was really, really difficult to find it anywhere. And it's like, well, I'm not going to go watch it in a theater because it's finally available the day before it comes out on Netflix. That just doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. Um, But The Irishman, it is, I guess if I want to, like, you know, poke fun, it's pure cinema. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a whole lot of cinema it's more cinema probably than we can handle and at three and a half hours I think marty says everything exactly that he wants to say and netflix has no problem paying him to do it But for me though, does it live up the hype? I don't think so, man I think everybody's Mm -hmm. being super hyperbolic saying that this is a game changer But it's not a bad film like not at all. I think the direction is really great I think the acting performances are fantastic. I think the production design and the music is really you – know, you're going to love – as you as a music guy, you're going to love the music. Um, I thought it was really, really good throughout. Oh, yeah, just, absolutely. It just doesn't do anything special for me. Um, it's, I,
0: think, I think the thing with this movie, and I, you know, I really, really love it, but it has to sit with you. And it, it may still not open itself up in any way. You know, obviously everyone's different, but I think definitely sit with it for a while. You've already sat with it three and a half hours. Sit with it for a while longer because it's definitely a grower for me. I mean, I've found myself liking it more and more by the day since since I got to see it.
1: I'll say that. Since I watched it night before last and some of the conversations I've had this afternoon since I posted my review – Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been things that people have talked about that's let me see it. so you're you're absolutely right. There are some films that, you know, if you weren't completely sold on with time, it could just start sitting with you and with having the dialogues like this, it's like yeah, oh, you know, I can appreciate that a little bit more. I'm not one of those critics where it's like this is my rating and this is never going to change. <laughs> no, man. That's the beauty of art. My like the way that I think about art can be different from day to day. And I've got no problem changing my stance on it. And you know, I gave it an 8 out of 10. I'm still high on it. Just That's pretty good. Others. Yeah, like some people were mad that I wasn't giving it like you know ten, 10 out of ten. I'm like, oh, hold on, <laughs> eight out of ten <laughs> is still super high. But I'll tell you this: uh, the I think the film could have been told in two hours or two and a half hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the VFX were very uneven.
0: <laughs> All right, there you uh, go.
1: <laughs> I, Irish men, go. But I, do watch. It. I, I think it's. I think It's sort of, it's, it's a, a, too good of a movie not to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Kobe, this was awesome. Uh, tell people again where they can find your work.
1: Yeah, you can find your boy. Um, all of my written content at ColbyToldMe.com. You can follow me on all the socials at ColbyToldMe. On Facebook, I'm at Kobe Mac. Check out my podcast, the Kobe Podcast. I drop that probably about once a week. It's really whenever I want to. Um, I'm on the Minority Report Film Podcast, where I co-host that. And coming soon. Is the Stream Team Podcast. It's going to be the sports center for streaming. So we're going to talk about it all: Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus, all the pluses. Check it out. That, that was a good uh, plug right there I gotta say yeah, tried, yeah. Tried, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well thanks man uh, hopefully we get you back again one of these days
1: absolutely bro thank you very much I love your podcast I'm a fan I really like your music I'm gonna have to hire you to do some special music oh uh, um, hell yeah my, my stuff man I really really do like uh, your sound but thank you very much for covering up this conversation and uh, I'd be welcome to come back uh, whenever you want awesome <laughs>
0: Sound and vision is the name, with movie trivia being the game. The theme-based weekly wonder where you, yes you the listener, can play along by guessing the films we're throwing at you by deciphering our cryptic clues. Join us while we break down movies in a way that only me and my weekly guests can. Come and find us on all platforms which podcasts are available and get your pop culture fix. All right, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Colby Mack about Queen and Slim. Thanks, Colby, for joining me on the show. Uh, it was great talking to you. And if you're out there listening and you want to get into some puzzle pieces, uh, you know, New Year is right around the corner, and we are going to have a lot of movies to cover. So I'm always looking for new guest co-host. So get in touch. And also, you just heard an ad for another great podcast. I always play an ad for another podcast, uh, you know, at the end of every episode. So if you're a podcaster and you've got an ad for your show, shoot me a message. I will include it in one of the future episodes. I love uh, supporting this great podcast community, you know, Pottern Family, right? Whatever that means. I'm not sure, but you know, it's cool that they're doing what they're doing. Anyway, uh, I want to remind you as always to make sure you're subscribed to piecing it together on your podcast app of choice you can rate and review us on apple podcasts or pod chaser and uh follow us on social media at piecing pod you could also join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces and you know what we got a patreon if you want to uh you know send us a little bit of money each month which we will put towards something or other i don't know uh, you'll get bonus episodes, early access to new episodes that aren't up yet. Uh, I'm about to put the Terminator Dark Fate and the Jojo Rabbit episodes in there. And you can currently get the Jane Silent Bob Reboot episode that's already in there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing all kinds of new stuff in 2020. Um, right now, I'm just trying to get through the end of the <laughs> year, but there's going to be a lot of new stuff in there coming 2020. So... You know, I don't know if that means you should wait until the next year to become a patron, but you know, I, I I wouldn't stop you from becoming a patron now. That would be nice if you did. Plus, you can get my albums. That's always fun. So I'm rambling. Uh, We should close this episode up with a piece of music like we always do, shouldn't I? Uh, We got lots of new episodes coming your way next week, including starting a whole bunch of bonus episodes. Uh, This is the end of the year, of course, and there's going to be a lot of bonus episodes, top 10 lists, all kinds of stuff. So we got so much coming your way. Let's close this thing out, man. You know, Queen and Slim being a... uh, you know, very hip-hop-heavy film, um, I'm going to take the opportunity to play a track from Skydro again. Uh, Skydro is a hip-hop artist here in Las Vegas that I produced, like, man, like, coming up on a decade pretty soon ago that I produced his album. But uh, it's a great album. I'm very proud of it. And uh, I haven't talked to Skydro in a while, but I hope he's out there doing good. Um, but I'm going to play one of the tracks from the album. That seems like a good fit to close this one out. Why don't I play for you guys a track called Unsolved Mist Stories. Like unsolved mysteries, but unsolved mist stories. I think this fits pretty well with the theme of the movie Queen and Slim. So let's close this one out with that. And we'll be back next week with more Piecing It Together.
2: didn't <laughs> hey, write a song about us? <laughs> turn it up, turn it up. Turn it up into the song. Hey, the you And killing the people is how he's doing, this just like I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about your friend Hey Mr. Officer, I'm not talking to you, let's talk about them is Lincoln Mazzari Here we go again, he's a murderer under the disguise of a shield And how he makes his money, is How many people he kills, he's a murderer under the disguise of a badge, and killing gets a big ass house his job. Seeing visions of body bags, 5-0 with bloody racks Stop it's 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 need it's a it's cigarette, it's just nurse. take it's a bloody track. Cause forensic scientist with a bloody batch Bloody this, bloody piss, miss the Bloody bat. We look once, look twice, I wear the OG gun. Check Fox News here, police wanna scare Gangster boss about the word and the rest To the right policeman I am the red light I a M. Chess Just another day upon the west go. California police I give the get to you strength it's a He's a man. murderer under the disguise of the shield And how he makes his money Is so how many people like have he kills He's a murderer under the disguise of a badge And killing ghetto people is how he's doing this Just like, I'm not talking to you on yourself, I'm talking man. about your friend come on. Hey, Mr. Out. Officer I'm not talking to you Let's talk about them make it easy on yourself. Here on. we go again yeah. He's a murderer Just Under the disguise of a sheep And how he come makes his money, He's talking people out. he kills He's a murderer under the disguise of a badge, and killing get to people is it's, it's doing this job. We're murdered this, i that cover. cover of Explorer and the Key. Witnessing witness in the case said he never did see No day the tribe has him <laughs> from the pie 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 <laughs> While another poor man, oh she hear and cry <cries, laughs> Say he's a murderer under the disguise of a shield a And how he makes boy. his money is so how many people he kills He's a murderer under the you disguise a of a badge And killing ghetto people's how he's doing photo? it's just like I'm not We're talking looking to him. you, I'm talking about your friend Hey Mr. Officer, I'm not talking to you, let's talk about them, here we go again. again, he's a murderer. Under the disguise of a shield And how he makes his money So many people he kills He's a murderer Under the disguise of a badge And killing the people Is you just like, like Welcome to the unsolved mysteries, mysteries. That's M-I-S-S-E-D Mysteries Welcome to the ghetto children history Picture be handcuffed So your wrists will bleed Crooked cops Plus crooked clocks Equals a crooked stops. watch, man, oh, man, man. your ass so you plant Some crooked rocks Now I was born in this world I didn't make it like Park, and every dollar that I make The system takes it right back, it's like they want it all back It can't just be cause I'm black, I mean Kobe was untried but nobody's messing with Shaq so He's a murderer under the disguise of a shield And how he makes his money is so how many people he kills He's a murderer under the disguise of a badge And killing ghetto people is how he's doing this job like I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about your friend Hey Mr. Officer, I'm not talking to you Let's talk about that. Here we go again Feels like no tomorrow When everyday you got pain and sorrow Like the Middle East feels like no tomorrow If I ain't got no soul, I'm hollow No mark no peace, there's no tomorrow When everyday you got to beg and borrow So tell the police, there's no tomorrow when tomorrow's full of horror say he's, he's a murderer under the disguise of a shield and how he makes his money how just many like people to have he kills he's a murderer under the disguise of a badge and killing the people is how he's doing this just like i'm not talking to you i'm talking about your friend I see hey, the officer i'm not talking to, to you let's talk about
1: them here we go again